Hey friend, welcome to Pursuing Goals God's Way. I'm so excited you decided to tune in today because we are in the midst of our series on perseverance. If you have had some big goals for this year but are questioning how you'll make a plan for them, how you'll stick to them, how you'll not allow fear to get you to quit, then this is the series for you. I'm joined by my business mentor, Gillian Perkins, and this series was first played on her podcast, Work Less, Earn More. It made such a positive wave that I wanted to bring it directly to you. Today, we're talking about some different things that could derail you from your goals if you let them. Here are just a few things you'll hear throughout our time together today. Strategies for tackling fear of criticism and ways to help you remember positive feedback. How community and mentorship help you with the unknown and unforeseen obstacles. The mindset shifts you need to make around failure. The subtle ways fear of success can derail you. How the 80-20 rule can help you beat shiny object syndrome. And how to handle distractions from social media to binge watching. I've had the privilege to be a success coach for Gillian's programs, and I've learned so much about business and life from her. If you're interested in turning your God-given passion and purpose into impact and income, I encourage you to check out Gillian's Startup Society membership. It's a great, budget-friendly way to get started with a business online. I love working inside there, and if you've been thinking about working with me, this could be a great option. You can learn more and sign up at bit.ly forward slash startup society. So that is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash startup society. Again, that is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash startup society. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. And I would love to work with you inside there because I know it will make a huge impact on your life. All right, let's dive into today's episode with Gillian. Hey friend, welcome to Pursuing Goals God's Way. Have you thought about finally starting that business now that your kids are older? Do you ever stay awake wondering how to mesh your passions into purposeful work? Do you have big, ambitious goals but feel overwhelmed or even unqualified to pursue them? Hey, I'm Gabe. Not too long ago, I longed for the confidence to start an online business. I just wanted to make a difference outside my home bubble using my gifts. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't good enough, I didn't know enough, and I didn't have enough time until I realized something huge. My kids need me to be their example and they need to see me win. And yours do too. In this podcast, you will learn how to clarify your goals, plan with purpose, and ditch your distractions. If you're ready to make an impact and an income, all for the glory of God, then you're in the right place. As an avid runner, I believe life is one massive marathon. It's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. So lace up those running shoes, pop in your earbuds, and let's do this thing. I think a lot of us can come up with some pretty good ideas, some pretty good plans, but far too often, myself included, we make the plans, we get started full of enthusiasm, but before long, either we just lose motivation or something else actually gets in our way and we fall off the wagon. So we never get those results that we were looking for. So as I said, in today's episode, we're talking about five things that might derail you. And the reason I want to be covering these is both so we can talk about strategies for how to avoid these things or overcome them, but also because simply being aware that these things might derail you can really help you to avoid them in the first place and to recognize them when you start to see them coming so that maybe you can steer the other direction a little bit. You can avoid them and they won't stop you. So with that being said, Gabe, can you go ahead and share with us the first thing on our list of five things that can derail you? Absolutely. And before I share that first thing, one thing to note is that I know Gillian probably has experienced all of these as well, but this is something that everyone experiences and <laughs> multiple times in every goal or business endeavor we do, we're going to encounter these things. So it's a good thing to know what they are and then know how to overcome them and identify them. That first one is the fear of others. And this is a big one. I would say this is a big one for women, especially, mm-hmm. but um, the, we play the comparison game or we're afraid of what they think. Like, well, what, do, what are they going to say if I start this business? Or, um, you know, I don't really like critics. I don't want them to say anything bad about me. Um, what, what are they going to think if I succeed? Uh, all, the, all the different things. And something that we need to remember is that it's not about others. It's about us and 
what we feel we're called to do and really about what are we trying to help others with. And if we know that we have value in what we're doing, then we don't have to worry about what others are thinking. Now, there's a lot more that goes along with that, but, but this is the first thing. It's the fear of others. And really, one thing I like to say is success demands critics. And anybody who has been successful has a critic. Um, I think about this. I have actually tried this, too, because I heard this one time and. They said, well, try Googling Mother Teresa, but Google it, Mother Teresa bad, and see what comes up. <laughs> and do the same for Mother Teresa good. Guess what's going to come up for both of those? Millions of articles about why she's either good or bad. But does that, does, did she look at those press clippings? Maybe. But did she stop doing what she was doing because of what other people said? No, she didn't. Such good points. And that kind of strategy or that tactic that you just described, Googling Mother Teresa, that reminds me of something similar I've heard from a lot of successful authors in advice to new authors, which is don't let the bad reviews get you down or convince you to stop writing or convince you that you're no good. Go and look at any of your favorite authors and look at their reviews on Amazon and you will find that your favorite authors, the thing, the people who you believe to be the most brilliant writers, just absolute geniuses, you love their work, they have one-star reviews too. In fact, if they're a popular writer, they have a lot of one-star reviews. I was looking at a book recently that someone recommended to me. It's not a book I've read yet, but someone recommended it to me. They said it was one of the best books they had read at least recently. They loved it. They highly recommended it. And I went and looked on it on Amazon. And in fact, not just there were some one-star reviews, but the top three reviews were all one-star reviews. People saying that they thought it was a horrible book and that it just, you know, wasn't worth the taking the time to read at all. And I thought that was so interesting to see, you know, something that overall had four stars. Some people thought it was amazing and the best thing ever written, and other people thought it was horrible and the worst thing. And, you know, so often, I think when we are the person who is doing the thing, we take the criticism so much more strongly than we take the positive feedback. We are so much more aware and attuned to it. I mean, I know on YouTube, obviously I get a lot of comments on my videos and I would say that 90 to 99% of them are positive. People saying this was a great video. I love you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Things of that nature. And then you've got that, you know, somewhere between one and 10% of people who are being negative. And those are always the comments that stand out to me and the ones that I'm like, oh, a couple people didn't like it. Right. And so as Gabe mentioned a few minutes ago, it happens to all of us. We all have this fear of others. The difference is, you know, what you do with that fear of others, what you do with the negative feedback that maybe you get. Because if you let it stop you, then you will not be a person who succeeds. But if you have a strategy for overcoming this and not letting it get to you, at least not letting it stop you, then you will get to, you know, go on to continue to work towards your goal and eventually reach your goal. So if you are maybe struggling with this, just know you're, you're not alone at all, but how you respond is going to dictate your success. Mm -hmm. Gabe, do you have any strategies for kind of how to deal with this fear of others? What to, what to do when the critics come? Yeah, a couple things right off the bat. When the critics come, something to remind ourselves of. Uh, remember that you are looking for a specific customer or a specific client. Like your target audience isn't everybody. And so the critics are most likely not in your target market. So they're not even your people. They're not your tribe. So remembering that because those who are, who are drawn to you are going to be the ones leaving the great reviews or sharing how, what you are teaching has done for them in their lives. So remembering you're only looking for the few, you're not looking for the masses. And another real tip when it comes to even the reviews or the comments or different things, when you get a really good comment or a really good review, Maybe it just print it off and put it on your desk so that then when, when you get that bad one, because we always, we are, we're drawn to that negative and we're going to see that in a, a lens, like we're going to see that more than the positive ones that come. But if you have something just kind of sitting out, you can look at it and go, and as a reminder, okay, what I'm doing is important. 
what I'm doing matters to my audience, my target market, right? And that'll kind of help you take off that fear of others and go, it's not about everyone, it's about someone. And then my other tip that I would say is unfollow anyone you're comparing yourself to or anyone who is a critic because you don't need to see those things. We're going to talk a little bit about social media a little bit later too, but it is a huge comparison game. It is where we fear others because everyone's showing their best, the highlight reel, right? But at the same time, if you start feeling like you're not living up to the standards of others or if you're like, I'm not where they are yet, and or get that jealousy factor, because that is a fear of others too, where you just feel you should be further along, then mm-hmm. be okay with unfollowing them, at least for a time. Don't don't let that distract you from doing what you are supposed to be doing or what you're feeling passionate about. And it's okay, then you can you can follow them again later. But that is something that we have to kind of take notice of ourselves. What who are we kind of getting those? those feelings from they're doing great things and that's okay, but it doesn't mean you have to follow them. I cannot tell you how many times there was someone who I was following who I really looked up to, but there was definitely a lot of that comparison going on where I felt like I wasn't as far along as I wanted to be, or I just wasn't really doing well enough in one way or another. And then later, months later, or even a couple of years later, that person shared about, you know, they were sharing kind of their journey, their progress, and they talked about that time a few months before or a few years before and how it had been a really hard time for them and they'd been going through a lot of things. So while externally, what we could see on the outside was that they were like killing it with their business and they were talking about all their successes and all their highlights behind the scenes, maybe their marriage was on the rocks or they were like working 24 seven, or even though, yes, they were making a lot of money, their expenses were also really high. So their profits were super low and they were really stressed about money. This has happened so many times. And after it happened a few times, I thought it was such like a good lesson for me to like give me perspective about the fact that a lot of the time, what you see on social media is just as Gabe just said, just it's a highlights reel and you're seeing the good parts, but those people are real people too. And they have their own struggles. They have their own challenges. They aren't where they want to be either. Sure. They might be ahead of you in one area of life, but you might be ahead of them in other areas of life. And, but that's not the point. The point is that comparison isn't really that helpful. And so I think, Gabe, that you have some great advice there to just unfollow because it's not really going to do you any good to continue to follow. So rather than trying to like battle with those comparison thoughts, I think, you know, a little bit of that battling is good. A little bit of working on your mindset, maybe a whole lot of working on your mindset, right? So that you're not so affected by it. But it's also good to like just make things a little easier for yourself by unfollowing those people so that it's not a constant struggle for you and so that it's not constantly negatively affecting your mindset as you're just trying to do the work and move closer towards your goals. Mm -hmm. So let's move on now to the second thing, which is the fear of the unknown. How could the fear of the unknown be something that could be an obstacle in our path? How could that prevent us from achieving our goals, Gabe? Yeah, there are a few reasons. And when I think of the unknown, I think about the dark. (laughs) I'm scared of the dark. I'm not going to lie. It's something about as soon as it's light out, I'm good. But in the dark, it it feels creepier, but it's Mm -hmm. because you can't see anything. It's it's unknown. It's unpredictable there. You don't know if some boogeyman's going to jump out at you or, you know, whatever you, it's it's true though. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what the unknown is like. It's like being in the dark because it is uncomfortable. You're not in your comfort zone when you're in the unknown. And it's also not predictable. So when we think about, especially as entrepreneurs in the past episodes, we've talked about having a roadmap and creating a plan with some stepping stone goals and how are we going to get to that greater vision? But the unknown means that even though we have a plan, something could derail us or there will be a detour in the road. And then what do you do? Well, instead of being willing to think of a solution or how do I get around it? Cause I'm still going to go to that destination, which we would do in a car, right? If there was road construction, we would say, okay, well, how do I, switch to a different road and get where I want to go. But the unknown 
makes us uncomfortable and makes us kind of not want to do that because we don't know what lies ahead. Or you get stuck in that roadmap and you're not willing to change mm-hmm. direction. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I find the unknown and the fear of the unknown to be one of my biggest obstacles that I run into on a regular basis. And so I think that how it, how it kind of manifests in my situations normally is where I have a goal, or at least I have an idea of something I want to do. Maybe it's a project, but because I'm not quite sure how it's going to play out, I'm hesitant to even start. And then once I do start, it means that all the other potential little obstacles, the little things that could derail me, they become just that much more bigger and that much more powerful in my life because I'm not really 100% sure where I'm going or I'm not sure the problems that I might uh, run into in the future. And so that means that when there's a little other problem, you know, like let's say I needed to get financing for my business. So, oh, well, I got turned down for the loan. Oh, well, then I guess this just isn't going to work out because I didn't know for sure, you know, the other problems that might've come down the road. And I knew that I didn't know them. And honestly, I'm kind of scared of the dark too. (laughs) You know, it's not like a a paralyzing fear. I still go into the dark, but it makes me uncomfortable. And I find that 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 was such a good metaphor, Gabe, for this thing that we experience with our businesses where we are scared of the unknown. Well, and the good news about the unknown is one, you're never going to do something new without being in the unknown and getting out of your comfort zone. But two, nothing's new under the sun. Everything's Mm. been done in some form. So just because it's unknown to you doesn't mean it's unknown to someone else. So it's, we can find those people. We can find those mentors or those coaches or those just accountability partners. And this is one of the reasons why community is huge. So one step I would say is finding a community of people, whether it's an accountability partner or a mentor or like startup society was for me in the beginning was a place where I felt like even though I felt like I was in the unknown and I didn't really know what I was doing, I had that support and I could kind of piggyback off others or network with others and say, I've never done this before. Has anyone else? And that that turns the unknown into something a little bit more predictable and into something that is easier to be able to see, okay, this, this actually could come into fruition. I can kind of create a plan out of this. And I think community is huge for that. That's such a good point. You know, I remember when I was first starting my business that for the first couple years, I was really making zero progress, uh, at least from a measurable standpoint, right? I was making progress and that I was learning things. I was figuring out things that didn't work, but I wasn't earning any money and I wasn't really growing my audience at all. So none of my metrics were increasing. And I just felt like every time I tried to do something, every time I had a plan and I tried to execute it, I ran into so many unknown things and I didn't necessarily have a whole lot of fear of them, but they were literally getting in my way in the sense that I would start doing something and be like, I don't know how to do this. So lots of Googling, lots of trying and failing, finally learning how to do the thing that I needed to do. And it just meant that my progress was really slow. But the turning point was when I did join a community of entrepreneurs and suddenly, and I had gone from having absolutely no community of entrepreneurs, you know, only just like listening to some podcasts, reading some blogs, that sort of thing, to suddenly meeting a bunch of entrepreneurs. And these people were not unusual entrepreneurs, they weren't particularly helpful. It was just that it was a community of entrepreneurs and leaning on them. I suddenly discovered when I have a question, I can just ask, has anyone done this before? And almost every single time someone would say, yeah, here's how I did it. And that was such a shortcut. It was such a shortcut. It literally saved me hours and hours, maybe days, maybe weeks of Googling and trying and failing to figure it out on my own. So that is such a good tip. Also, you know, I was talking a few minutes ago about how most people are going to run into any, all of these obstacles at some point, but the difference between the people who succeed and the people who do not succeed is how they respond to them. And so even in my own life and with my own business, I've of course run into this obstacle many, many times where the fear of the unknown was stopping me or the unknown itself was somehow stopping me. And there have been times when I overcame it and times when I didn't. And the times when I overcame it were the times when I asked for help 
or I maybe didn't necessarily ask someone for help, but I went out and I found an example of someone who had done it before me, as you mentioned, Gabe, and I looked at what they had done. If I'm just over here fumbling around in the darkness, trying to figure it out on my own with absolutely no external advice, no examples of how someone else has done it, chances are pretty slim that I'm going to randomly stumble upon the correct way to do something all on my own. I mean, people like to talk about being self-made or self-taught, but in reality, most people who are self-taught still have learned from others, just not in a traditional school. Exactly. They've read some really good books, took some good courses, talked to enough people, learned from others just by watching them. Exactly. Yeah, you're never really self-taught. Okay, so let's move on to the third thing that can derail you from achieving your goals, and that is the fear of failure. I think this is a huge one for most people. So fear of failure, changing your mindset from failure, from being a bad thing, to failure being an inevitable thing, but a learning moment. Okay, I think this is something we probably all know, Gabe, We've probably all heard that we can see failure in a different light and that we can see failure as an opportunity to learn. Um, But tell me a little bit about what this means to you. I would say this is one of the spots that has gotten me more than any of the others because I'm an achiever and I like to win. I like to have successes and kind of I used to just want to be the center of attention. I wanted people to notice what I did and to pat me on the back, right? Um, I've learned that I don't really need that anymore. But at the same time, when I went about something, and I still do this, I have to work through it, and it looks like I'm going to fail, I'll more likely step back and not do it because I don't want that failure, like that tally. And I think about it even in the workplace. So I've worked for a traditional jobs before, and the employer doesn't want you to make a mistake. They want you to be perfect in a way. That's what they expect. And you can get marks, and you're, you know you get three strikes, and then you're kind of out. But that doesn't help us to grow. That doesn't help new ideas, because new ideas inevitably are going to have some issues or some things that need to be tweaked or some failures along the way. But when you're scared of making a mistake, you're way more apt to uh, step back or to kind of play it safe than you are to risk more uh, to gain more because you're just so fearful of that failure or you're fearful of losing your job. And so for me, failure really means a few different things. It means that you're willing to start because you can't fail something that you didn't say. Well, you can fail because I would say the only way you really can fail is by not doing anything at all. Mm -hmm. But it means you're willing to start. You're willing to take that risk because everything is a risk. Where there's a reward, there was a risk. And you're willing to step out and do something. And that's what that means. It's an opportunity. It also means that you're willing to try and adjust because those are two things. You've heard probably the idea of you fall and then you dust yourself off and you get back up. That's what failure is. Failure is falling because you either made a mistake or it's not working the way you want it to. So what you do is you learn from it. You try something different because I think we talked about the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And that's what this is. Failure means, okay, it didn't work. I'm not going to do the same thing. I'm going to adjust it a little bit and be willing to do that because the adjustment is hard work. One, it means that we're changing and growing ourselves and we have to be willing to do that. Two, it means we have to try again. But think about it like we wouldn't probably have the light bulb if it weren't for Thomas Edison trying however many thousands of times that he did, but he was willing to keep trying. And that's an important part when it comes to the entrepreneurial experience because we have to figure out what works and take that and tweak it and kind of move forward from there. And that's kind of the last thing that failure means to me is failure means you're actually moving forward. Um, Because those who are the most successful, I think we look at them and we think, oh, they were an overnight success. But actually, it was years and years of failing that got them to where they were. They aren't just overnight successes. It's just that now we see them like that. We didn't really see all the behind the scenes and what they went through to get there. But what that means is every failure, if we take it and we try and adjust, is a step forward in the right direction. So it's like you're failing forward and you're not 
being left behind when you decide to have that mentality, shift that mentality into the fact that failure is that opportunity. It's that learning moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not going to really be making forward progress if you're not failing. I I think there's like these two positive things about the failure. One is like the learning that happens, right? You learn something that didn't work. You get to work on your mindset, lots of things kind of in that area. But also it is a positive sign that you did try something new because you're not going to make any forward progress unless you do try something new. So positive on both ends there. I think failure can get you at a few different points along the journey. The fear of failure, I think, can stop you from even starting. You're just like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know how this will work out. I'm not sure I can turn it into a success. So you don't start. Or along the way, you experience a failure and you let that just literally kind of derail you to where it's like, oh, that didn't work out. I don't know what to do. You know, not quite sure what to do next. It also could kind of demoralize you to where you just like decide this isn't working. I'm going to stop to it. So where it's like an active decision to stop because it's not working out. And I would say that personally, the place where failure normally gets me the most would be at the very start. Normally, I'm not like halfway along the journey and it's not working out. So I decide to give up. I'm, I'm really not much of a quitter. Sometimes I think I should be more of a quitter. Maybe I should give up on more things that aren't working out very well. But I'm someone who is normally going to see things through to the end. But I'm kind of hesitant to start when I'm really not sure how things are going to end up when I don't see all the steps, the staircase before me. And so I have to just really constantly remind myself to it's okay to just take that first step and then more steps will reveal themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think a bonus of this one, uh, maybe it's an extra derailment, but is the fear of success because just like fear of failure can keep us from starting. So can the fear of success, which sounds weird because most people are like, no, I want to succeed. I want to do it. But what comes with that? You know, there's, there's a lot of influence that comes with that. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And so some people are derailed from the beginning because they're almost second guessing if they want that success. Mm -hmm. So I've heard people talk about this before, and I kind of thought it was like an overhyped, you know, potential roadblock, but I've come around to the other side and I do, I do now think fear of success can get in your way. And here's the specific kind of example, the specific way in which I realized fear of success was holding me back. It wasn't that I was afraid of, I I don't think that much about what people think about me. And so I wasn't that worried about like, oh, you know, maybe my friends won't like me as much or won't relate to me as much if, you know, I have a different lifestyle than them or something like that. That really never got me. But where it did was I 100% thought that in order to, let's say, make twice as much money, I would have to be working twice as many hours. Mm. And I didn't like think this out, you know, and like write it down in my journal, you know, I'm going to have to work twice as many hours, but it was definitely a subconscious belief that I had that in order to be twice as successful in any area, I was going to have to work twice as hard. It was going to take twice as much time. It was going to be twice as painful. So I just gave the example of the money, but another area where I saw that was after I had my first baby, I was about 30 pounds overweight and I really wanted to lose that weight. And so I tried different diets and it was painful. And I definitely thought that, wow, it was this painful to lose five pounds in order to lose 30 pounds. It's going to be, you know, like six times as painful, which I couldn't even comprehend because it was so painful because I was doing it the wrong way. So it was so painful to lose the five pounds. So I just kind of was like, it's not going to work out. I can't do it. (laughs) But that's not the truth. It's really not the truth because different strategies produce different results at very different rates. The people who are earning, let's say, 100 times more money than you are right now, they are not working 100 times more hours. You know that that is true because if you're working 40 hours a week right now, at a because, well, at least there are people working 40 hours a week or more right now, right? At a minimum wage job, they're earning, you know, $20,000 a year, something like that. There aren't people who are working 100 times more hours than that. And yet there are people who are earning 100 times more money, right? The math just doesn't work out. So there are different strategies that produce different results. And at least for me, that is where this fear of success really came into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good example. So the next one we've got here is shiny object syndrome. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about shiny object syndrome, Gabe, and how this could prevent us from reaching our goals. 
All right, so I'm talking to all you visionaries out there. <laughs> That's what I am. Raising, raising my hand over here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we know exactly what that is because as a visionary, usually you're coming up with hundreds of ideas probably every day of all the different things you can do or how you can make your business better or what products you can make or how you can serve your customer. And each one is essentially a shiny, shiny object, which means that instead of focusing on the one thing, instead of focusing on the important thing at this moment to move your business forward, you see these other different objects like, ooh, wouldn't that be nice to do that? Wouldn't it be nice to add that coaching program? Wouldn't it be nice to add this PDF? Oh yeah, I could just write an ebook right now. All of those things are great things and they're great ideas, but each one has a, a place, each one has a season. And if it doesn't have a purpose at the moment, then that's not what you're supposed to be focusing on. But visionaries get stuck in that because we're always thinking about those ideas. And we go from one thing to the next without really giving that first thing a real chance and time that it needs to develop. Here's an example of this. I started uh, coaching one-on-one -on -one and I, you know, really love the coaching aspect. I love it and I thrive off of it. When I'm done with a call, it's like, woohoo, you know, but I saw that and went, oh, I think I should do a coaching program, a membership, you know, just a, a group program. And instead of get letting the coaching one-on-one -on -one develop, I went right to the group program. Well, guess what? I didn't have anybody joining me because I just hadn't grown the one-on-one -on -one community enough. And so then I went from that, oh, I need to do a course. <laughs> and it's just, that's what we do. We go from one thing to the next to the next, and we don't develop the first thing. And that's one of the reasons that um, we find ourselves in this pickle where we say, well, maybe I need to quit because it's not working. And we'll talk about this in, in the next episode about why things aren't working and when you should give up. But that isn't a reason you should. That's because of shiny object syndrome. That's something that's trying to derail you from what you're supposed to be doing. Gabe, you're describing me to a T. <laughs> How do you know that this is my struggle every day? Right. <laughs> I, I do want to actually disagree with you on one point, though. Sure. And that is the last thing you said about when you see these different things not working out, that makes you want to quit. And I, th I think maybe said like you might choose to quit, but I don't think most visionaries choose to quit. <laughs> I think that they just, they do get derailed and they don't achieve their goal, but it's not because they're demoralized. So they quit. They just keep going at it, keep going at all the things. And the reason they never reach the goal is because they're constantly switching because they've got all these ideas, all these shiny objects. They're constantly turning their head. They're constantly changing their course. So they never make serious progress in one direction. Yeah, I can see that. That's definitely true. I'm sure some people get get demoralized and decide to quit and that could stop them. But most visionaries, I'm pretty sure they just like keep charging at it. And they're just all over the place. At least that's what happens to me. It's true. Without direction and frustration comes in that because you're like, why isn't it working? I have all these great ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying it's not demoralizing or, you know, distracting. I just feel bad and keep going. <laughs> and I could tell you, so shiny object syndrome, what I've noticed, even just in startup itself, we have so many great action plans to choose mm -hmm. from that uh, somebody might start one and then they'll go, oh no, I think I'm at this spot. I need to go do this one. Or they're trying to do multiples at once where it's really better just to focus on the one, get it done and then move on. And a lot of people um, outside of startup society might be doing different courses, right? So they'll take a course, not finish it, add another one because it's that shiny object. Oh, this one will actually get me what I want. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something we've definitely learned as we've developed the Startup Society program over the past several years. Because we have a community of entrepreneurs, it largely is visionaries in the program. Most people who think, I want to start my own business, is are going to be visionaries. And so they are going to naturally kind of have this inclination towards this problem that Gabe's describing, where we tend to be very tempted by shiny objects. And shiny objects aren't necessarily like, oh, I should start a new business. It really can just be thinking of different ways to solve a problem and then trying to do multiple of them at the same time. So even if you aren't like trying to run two or three different businesses, which, you know, I've definitely been there too. But even once I finally settled on like, okay, this is the business that I am going to do long term. This is my long term career. I'm going to, you know, focus on this one thing. Even then I still find myself very distracted by shiny objects. Whenever we have any sort of business problem, which is literally every day, right? 
there's always some sort of problem and it's not necessarily like uh, something went wrong sort of problem. It's a how can we do this better type of problem, right? And there are multiple ways to do it. And I have difficult time choosing which option and sticking with that and not switching around. But anyway, going back to Startup Society. So we've got all these entrepreneurs in the program. And so I'm always thinking of ways to make it bigger and better. Problem is that we've got these entrepreneurs who get very distracted whenever we add additional things in. So when I started Startup Society several years ago, you know, originally we didn't have that much content in the program. It's pretty simple. We've just got these core action plans and it worked really well. And we saw the members making a lot of progress. And then I thought, oh, we need to give them more. So we'll do weekly workshops. We'll do a new workshop every month. We'll add a new course every month. We'll bring in guest experts. And I was always thinking of these new things to add. And almost every time we've added something, then we started watching the members just immediately start to, what this is making me think of, <laughs> this is so random and nerdy, but if any of you guys are watching Loki on Disney+, Plus, Gabe, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Probably not. Okay, so there's a new show on Disney+. Plus that is about Loki and there is this whole like timeline theory in it so everyone's on this like core timeline and then sometimes someone goes astray and they start doing something that they were not supposed to do on the sacred timeline of how like reality was supposed to work out and this causes some problems and so they stray away from this and it creates all these like forks in the path and anyway so I just like saw this happening with Startup Society where like all the members were going like straight along you know the sacred timeline they were all growing their businesses and then we throw we we suggest something else to them we're like here's here's a gift and they stray away to go you know watch watch this other training and participate in this other workshop sign up for the latest action plan and we're like oh no oh no you know got to go back to just the core main things that you need to do to grow your business because there's not that many of them it really can be simple and so this is something we've learned over the past few years and at this point we've just like realized we just need to keep startup society really simple really focused so that people don't get distracted in the program mm -hmm. and it is because and and the events that you've developed are strategic where it mm -hmm. gives that community, it gives that support. It helps us to say, okay, what are you focusing on? Okay, we're going to stay there and we're going to focus on that. Okay, did you get it done? There's that accountability there. And I would say for those who have a lot of ideas and the visionaries, one tip I would have is keep a notebook of your shiny objects, right? And keep a notebook and keep a journal and write down all those ideas. Give yourself freedom to do that for 10 minutes a day or once a week and be willing to that, but then close that notebook and focus on the main thing. And I, this could be kind of similar to the 80-20 rule that a lot of people talk about where you focus on your business 80% of the time, but then you can veer off for 20% and kind of start working on something else or um, more of a passion that you have. And that's where maybe those shiny objects can go and you can just kind of enjoy that time, but then get back on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really good advice. Whether that 20% is a separate business that's essentially a side hustle to your main business you're building, or those are just other like marketing strategies. That's normally what I end up doing at this point, since I have, you know, settled on a business that I'm 100% focused on, but we've got our core marketing strategies that I spend 80% of my time on. And then I'll spend about 20% on just other, you know, whatever the latest platform is or a new strategy I can implement on my website, because it is important to keep innovating. And it also is really enjoyable if you are more of a visionary type who really enjoys like dabbling in other ideas and you find those shiny objects appealing. So it's good to give them some sort of space so that you don't feel stuck having to just do like the same old, same old and, you know, creates potential opportunities, right? Because one of those things might be fantastic. It might really take off. It might be something that was missing in your life that you discover a love for. And that leads us really well into number five, I think, which is distraction. So we've been talking about a form of distractions, right? Shiny objects. But how does this last type of distraction differ, Gabe? Yeah, so there's a difference between the shiny objects. Shiny objects are kind of things that you come up with, thing, ideas or just different opportunities. Because a lot of times when you're in the middle of growing a business or in the middle of doing some type of goal, other opportunities are going to come. And you have mm -hmm. to be able to discern that to say no to that. So that's the difference. It's like, that's kind of your own thing. Well, distractions are more physical 
or um, schedule or different things like that. So that could be an opportunity that comes that you have to say no to. But a lot of times distraction comes in the form of technology or the minor things. So a lot of times when we're, even when we're planning our priorities or our schedule, we have those big things. And, and I'm sure that you've heard, do the most important thing first and then do the menial things later. Well, the menial things are easier to check off your checklist. So we're going to work on those. Well, then you find out that it's three o'clock and you haven't even done what you were supposed to do. Now you're tired. Now you're going to save it for tomorrow, right? So that's what a distraction is. And I would say social media is that main distraction for entrepreneurs because we can get into that scroll. We can get focused on, oh, I got to go market in Facebook groups. And three hours later, we're still in there. And those kinds of things, or even technology where you just, you go on YouTube to find an answer and then you are on there for hours because YouTube knows you well and they suggest the next video, right? There's the algorithm yep, that yep. you the teach about. Gets you every time. <laughs> it does. And those kinds of things can really get in the way of your business. Absolutely. So how I see kind of the difference between these shiny objects and then these distractions you're talking about is for me, the distraction to use like not a social media example, the distraction would be reading the business book. So like I should be working, but oh, reading the business book sounds like more fun. So I'll sit there and I'll read the business book. But then I get an idea from the business book and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. That's a, like this new shiny marketing strategy sounds better than what I have been doing. That's the shiny object. Mm, I like it. Well, and distractions when you talk about reading a book, because personal growth is very important oh, and business yeah. growth, right? But we can do that more than building our business. And yeah. that can distract us. Yes, you're growing and changing. That's great. But when are you going to apply those principles if you're distracted by them? Yes. And this, of course, wouldn't just be books. Like the exact same thing could happen with social media. The distraction is scrolling on Instagram, but then you get a new idea. So then you have the shiny object or, you know, you're listening to a podcast. Great thing to be doing. Keep doing that. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, but then you get ideas and you want to go implement them. We see this even inside Startup Society, where we have these trainings for entrepreneurs to go through. They're great, right? And you can learn so much about what you need to do in your business. We try to keep them very free of these shiny objects. But still, sometimes we see entrepreneurs inside Startup Society spending too much time just consuming the trainings and not enough time actually doing the work. So that's more of a distraction because, like I said, we, there's not very many shiny objects there, but it still can be a distraction. Mm -hmm. And there's a balance and that's what we need to be focused on. Are we being balanced in our growth and in our, and in our um, implementation? Yeah. So that kind of leads me into a question, Gabe, which is like, what should we do with these distractions? Should we kind of like try to cold Turkey, you know, just like no social media, stay away or put them in a certain box um, or, you know, just try to deal with it mentally and try to, you know, not let them get us. What, what's your best tactic here? Yeah, you know, for a time, there might be a time that you go cold turkey with social media so you can get in a habit of not being having a bad habit of being on it all the time. Um, because there is a true addiction to on, being online uh, and being on social media or being on YouTube or being on Netflix, there is a true addiction there. And so this is going to be kind of more personal based off of um, what are what's your personality? Are you one who is it's good at putting things down. There's a couple things that you can do, especially with social media is you could set a timer. <laughs> like if you're going in there to connect because connecting and networking is very valuable for a business owner, but maybe you set a timer for 20 to 30 minutes a day. When it goes off, you're done no matter where, where you're at, or you could schedule your social media and then, and then pick a time in the day that you're going to go in and uh, comment and like, or engage and do things like that. Let me tell you, I, one of the things I did, because I have kind of an addictive personality. I am one who I try not to start a show, especially mm -hmm. on like Netflix mm -hmm. or Amazon prime, because I'm going to want to watch three a day and I'm going to need to get through it. Three a day? <laughs> that's, that's not that bad. Game, right? I do the same thing only. Yeah. It, basically if I start watching a show, then I will be an extremely unproductive person for that. Like, you know, three days to two weeks, however long it takes me to get to, through the show. Um, and I think it's partly because I, I definitely have an addictive personality, but also I need to like finish it 
to feel like I, so I'll do the same thing. Like if I'm eating something, I feel like I need to finish. It. I have this kind of like compulsion to finish things. So I definitely find that to be a struggle. So I tried, I find that I don't have as much of a problem if it's a show that is like streaming live. So there's like a show each week. That's like the perfect balance for me where I can have like a little bit of enjoyment, just watch one episode. And then I'm excited for the next episode. Cause yeah, it never works out for me to try to watch the show. Yeah. That's me all, neither. It's all there. <laughs> I like marathons. I'm a marathon runner. So I will marathon those shows all day long. No, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's so true. So honestly, for me, social media became a distraction. I was on my phone a lot. And so I had to, for a time, be done with it. I didn't really quit, but I actually deleted the apps off my phone every mm-hmm. day. And I deleted them on the weekends. And I still delete them on the weekends sometimes because I want focused time with my family. I don't want it to be a distraction. There's no reason for me to be on it while my kids are here and I want quality time. So that's kind of my cutoff. I say none on the weekend. If I'm not going to be missing anything, if it's an emergency, someone will get a hold of me. And I think we, we see social media in a way as the new communication, which it is, but nothing's ever an emergency. And if there is one, they'll get a hold of you. So set a time limit on that social media. There is a way that you can go into your settings, at least on an iPhone. I'm sure an Android, you can too, mm-hmm where you can see how much time you're spending and where you're spending it. And maybe set that limit because you can also set, hey, at an hour, I want you to uh, tell me that I've been on for an hour. Mm -hmm. And I do that on my phone. I don't usually hit it anymore because I'm just, social media isn't my thing anymore. Like I do post, I'm in there engaging, but I'm just get on and get off. Um, But it will alert me and then I'll go, okay, that's enough for the day. And maybe for um, someone else, it might be two or three hours because they're a social media manager and they need to be in there, right? And the other tip I have, this comes back to the community or a mentor, but when distractions come, it's good to kind of have that one or voice that you can go to, to kind of run something by. Because when we are in multiples of courses or we're doing multiples of different things and we're listening to multiple different people and we're trying to implement everything, then we no longer are implementing one thing. And so if you have somebody to be able to bounce this off of, Hey, this was something I heard on a podcast. Do you think this will work for me? And they could say, well, what have you been working? Uh, Maybe should we just try that a little longer? Or, you know, you can just have that good conversation to see, yeah, maybe you should implement it. Or maybe you should wait and just kind of keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. The main strategy that I feel helped me to kind of like break my social media addiction, because it was something I kept slipping back into, I'd like, find myself spending way too much time on say Instagram, and then be like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. So I cut back. But then just like a few days or a couple of weeks later, I find myself doing it again. Um, but the thing that helped me to break it was to put some real thought into what do I want to be doing more than Instagram? Of course, there were lots of things I would rather be doing more than scrolling social media, right? And so the reason I kept finding myself scrolling was a form of boredom where kind of like a procrastinating type of boredom sometimes or certain points in the day um, where I had kind of this downtime where I like had to be just sitting, you know, waiting for something. And so I would be like, I can't think of anything else to do. Pull out Instagram, you know, and in those moments, I couldn't think of anything else to do. It was just like, I'm bored, don't have options, so I'm going to do this. But by spending a little bit of time thinking about some things I would rather do, I came up with some specific options and something that could fill a similar sort of space. So in this case, like something I could do sitting in one spot and on my phone that didn't necessarily require a lot of mental work. One of the things I came up with was just like going through my email because I get a lot of emails I don't need to respond to. I need to know that they came, but I don't need to necessarily respond to them. So I need to spend just a a few minutes every day just going through and archiving emails. That was an easy thing that I could do that cut that thing off my work to-do list when I was sitting at my desk that was not nearly as, uh, well, not as addictive as Instagram, obviously, but also it had like an end, like I would get to the end of my email inbox. Okay, done. Now, for some people, that would be a terrible idea because maybe they have an email checking compulsion. I don't, I don't really find email that, I don't know, appealing or some or what. I just like have to do a little bit every day. So it was good to just get a little bit off my plate. Another thing was I wanted to be reading my Bible more every day. So every time I thought I went to click on Instagram on my phone, I remembered, wait, I would rather be reading my Bible. So I'd just tap on the Bible app instead. And so that created almost like a trigger for a habit I wanted. So the thought of scrolling Instagram was my trigger. 
So that was really helpful for me just to give myself a specific thing I would do instead. Mm, Those are good. And remembering that white space is okay. Yes. Because we don't like white space. I I have fidgeters in my house. My boys love to fidget because they just can't sit still, which is fine. But having that white space is where the imagination can happen and where your creativity comes and where you can just be alone and with your own thoughts. And uh, we need that. We need the rest too. So um, being okay with, okay, I don't have to be doing anything right now. This It'll be hard for a while, but it gets better. <laughs> I 100% agree. And that was actually one of my main reasons for wanting to cut back on social media was because I felt that I was filling up that potential white space with noise and distractions. And I really wanted to have some space where I could just like be okay with being bored and have a little bit of kind of like margin in my life. And so by replacing Instagram and other forms of social media with something that was less addicting, it meant that I was able to say, just read a chapter or two of the Bible and then stop and then just, you know, wait for whatever the rest of whatever I was waiting for to be done. And it was a lot more comfortable feeling. It wasn't necessarily about like, I need that much more productive time in my life. (laughs) Well, Gabe, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for walking through these five different areas of distraction and different things that can derail us. As we said toward the beginning of this episode, you know, these aren't things that might derail you. These are things that happen to everyone and they are going to derail you, especially if you do not anticipate them, if you do not have strategies to avoid and overcome them. Don't beat yourself up if they happen to you because... Yes, they happen to everyone, but I hope that you all found this episode helpful for figuring out some better strategies for handling them. And thank you, Gabe, so much for joining me for this episode. I've loved having you for the series. We've got one more episode to go. Next week, we're going to be talking about knowing when you should give up and move on. We've been talking a lot about perseverance and sticking with it through to the end, but there are times when you are on the wrong track when you are working towards a goal that is no longer the right goal for you, when maybe you've decided that the results you were looking for are no longer worth the cost. And we're going to be really unpacking that next week and talking about exactly how to figure out when it is time to perhaps quit. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. If you resonate with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or share it with a friend as this helps grow the podcast. Also, if you're not a part of Simplicity and Motherhood, consider joining us. It's a free online community built to provide support and encouragement so you can create balance and live intentionally as you go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to redhotmindset.com for more resources and to find the link to join the community. In all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you.